Hello and welcome to the Tuesday, August 15th, 2023 edition of the Sandsonet Stormsonet Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida, but teaching virtually in Chicago, Illinois. Today, Didier wrote about false positives, false positives created by a tool called PDF ID that Didier wrote to basically do a quick triage for malicious PDFs. Now, one of the strings that PDF ID looks for is slash JS for JavaScript. Of course, JavaScript in PDFs is usually a good indicator that something fishy is happening here. That's why he flags the string. The problem with PDF ID is it's a very simple tool. It does not actually parse the PDF structure, so it may kind false positives because the string slash js may actually show up in the binary part of the pdf not necessarily as part of the pdf structure where it really matters so as an additional step to figure out if this particular occurrence of slash js is really part of a javascript content of the pdf or a false positive Didier recommends a second tool, PDF Parser. PDF Parser actually does parse the structure of the PDF and then identifies different sections like JavaScript sections. So that would be then be an option that you run after PDF ID. Given how simple PDF ID is, if the number of false positives is not excessive, it may still be a nice tool to run first and then sort out the false positives using PDF Parser. And then we have an interesting update from Microsoft relating to CVE 2023-32019. This vulnerability was originally patched in June, and it's one of those information disclosure vulnerabilities where an attacker who has some control over a system due to a vulnerability in the Windows kernel is able to view heap memory from privileged processes and with that, of course, possibly gain secrets that are stored in that memory. Back in June, Microsoft did release a patch for this vulnerability. It was sort of an interesting patch. They released the patch but didn't enable it by default. So the system was still vulnerable unless an administrator took the additional step to enable this fix. The concern here was that the fix would have some adverse effects to some other software. Now Microsoft did state that as of uh, August 8th, so if you basically install the patch August 8th or later, the patch will automatically be enabled and you no longer need that extra step. Interesting change, and I guess you know, it took them just a little while to validate that there is no ill effect uh, due to this patch. And Sam Quinn and uh, Jesse Jick with uh, Trellix uh, did release a blog post uh, showing a number of vulnerabilities in CyberPower PowerPal Enterprise and Dataprobe iBoot PDU. Both of these systems are basically sort of power management systems often used in data centers. You may find them in some smaller companies as well, but Mostly their purpose is in particular the cyber power power panel enterprise product to sort of manage uh, fleets of uh, 
power distribution units and UPSs and the like. The problems they discovered are, for example, hard-coded credentials, which I think are pretty much standard for these kind of products and part of the required feature set. But also more interesting things like, uh, for example, in the iBoot PDU, they found deserialization of untrusted data, which then leads to an authentication bypass. There are also your usual buffer overflows and OS command injection vulnerabilities. The gist of it is that NetHacker gaining access to these systems may obtain full access to your data center and at the very least be able to launch a denial of service attack by turning the power off. So first of all, get patching and then make sure these systems are in no way exposed to the public internet. And it's DEFCON Black Hat time, so we have to have a car hacking story. There is apparently a vulnerability in a popular Wi-Fi module, the Texas Instrument Violink WL18. The driver does have a buffer overflow that could be used to execute arbitrary code remotely by sending a specific management frame to the module. But this gets interesting and into cars is that Ford apparently uses this module in their cars and is vulnerable. Ford did state that this vulnerability doesn't sort of make the car unsafe to drive in any ways. So just keep on driving. Just if your entertainment console keeps crashing, well, uh, maybe stop typically these entertainment consoles which are the first sort of target of exploits like this are then networked to the rest of the car which of course could be used for additional mischief well and that's it for today so thanks again for listening and talk to you again tomorrow <laughs>